plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, we have an absolutely gorgeous day here in Northern California today, so we are ready to party. Hello, Power Partners. Thank you for joining me every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m., right here on Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. This is Star Style. Be the star you are, and we are coming to you live as always. We really want to help you seed positive, meaningful conversations so that you can catapult yourself to a star and just realize that you are shining and can live your dreams and that you're the writer, producer, director, and star of your own life. We have another great show for you today. We're going to be introducing composting expert Steve LaPera, who is from Mantis, and he just knows everything there is to do to make your garden thrive by making some rich compost. And you know me, I am just really big on never wasting anything and composting as much as possible all the time. So I think that you will really enjoy this. So whether your goal is to grow your own organic food or create beautiful, relaxing outdoor spaces, Steve is going to have some answers and some guidance for us so that we can achieve that dream garden. Also, you know, uh, memory seems to be a really big issue these days. Every time you pick up a magazine or the newspaper, there seems to be something in there about how to guard your memory and information about Alzheimer's. So we are going to give a few uh, tidbits of information on how you can understand your risk factors and stave off memory loss. And then we'll bust a few myths and give you a few truths. But right now, I want to talk to you about universities and how they're serving our young people because I read an incredible interview in Forbes magazine that talked about a better way to educate because our schools, after 125 years, the school model is still the same and there are people out there that think it is time to shake it up. So maybe we can, you know, shake it up all together. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity with a big shout out and thanks to Michael Verbrugge Construction for sponsoring the Moraga Community Fair, which is happening very soon. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org and you can also find his website there as well. The Miracle Moment, I don't know who wrote this, it's just unknown, but it's happiness is the art of never holding in your mind the memory of anything unpleasant that has passed. I know that's hard to do, but, you know, again, I am always talking about what we think about and talk about comes about, so we have to release those negative thoughts. So if you find that your tapes are on constant rewind and you're just reliving negative stuff, let's reset it and let's really find something positive in life. 
Well, what was very fascinating about this is um, this was an article that I read in Forbes magazine a couple of months ago. And what it was uh, talking about is how to shake up the educational system. And because we're always supporting young people and we have so many, uh, obviously most of our volunteers are, you know, anywhere from 12 on up, the education is very important. And for more than two decades, Ted Dintersmith was a successful venture capitalist at Charles River Ventures, which is based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And he is still a partner emeritus at the firm. But these days, he has turned his energies to kindergarten through 12 and, and also higher education because he claims that education in the United States has fallen badly behind, stuck in that 125-year-old framework that no longer meets the needs of students or in, in uh, employers. So in 2015, he produced a documentary on education's broken state, and it was called Most Likely to Succeed, and it did premiere at the Sundance Film Festival. You can see it at www.mltsfilm.org. And this interview was actually conducted um, by Rich Carlgard. He is the editor-at-large and a global futurist at Forbes. And I hope you'll find it as fascinating as I do. So I'm going to read you some of the tidbits from it. So uh, it starts with... um, with our Forbes editor asking him, and this is uh, Carl, uh, he said, you know, you were a successful venture capitalist and now you want to take a wrecking ball to education. What motivated you? Ginger Smith replies, innovation. It's on an exponential ramp. If any job out there is routine, following its instructions, it's on its way out because AI is going to dramatically restructure the labor markets. And the other motivation was watching his kids in school and thinking, what the heck? It's almost as though the school model wants to crush the kids out of the very skills and mindsets that they need to do well and going forward. And he just started wondering, why were educators doing that? And, you know, just from my own personal experience, uh, I'm just kind of inserting this here. I found the same thing when my kids were going to school is that whole idea of just, um, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic and everything around it without arts, sports, woodworking, cars, you know, all the other things. It is it kills your spirit. So we really have to find a different way. So uh, when he talked about disrupting America's school system, life's most important class, and the one education that he would invest in, here's what Dinter Smith responded. It isn't accidental. It's actually by design. Skills are using a 125-year-old model, which is put in place to train people for industrial jobs, and those industrial jobs live with us today. And with our Game of Thrones-like competition to get into the best colleges, it's actually become worse. Well, Forbes argues that uh, Game of Thrones competition sometimes is exactly what kids need to do well so they don't become lazy. Is that correct? And Dinter Smith totally disagrees. He feels that if schools don't change, he thinks civil society in our country isn't going to hold together. It will come apart because teens across America are already experiencing 
rising rates of suicide, depression, and anxiety, which is something that we find here at Be The Star You Are as well. And American students consume the majority of ADHD drugs prescribed in the world. That is so sad, isn't it? So there's really blood on our hands because we are allowing this to happen. And I want to insert, too, is I know that when I, after, when I graduated from high school, I was the outstanding teenager of California. So uh, I had won all these different awards. I was sent as a teenage ambassador to Holland. And, you know, you feel that, gee, if you've, if you've accomplished supposedly at this time being supposedly, in quotes I put this, one of the best in California, you should be okay when you get out there in the world. Well, that is so wrong. When I got to Europe and experienced their education system, I felt like we had a lot to be desired. There was so much that I didn't know and so much that I had to learn. And I was really blessed that I got to live in Europe and go to school over there so that I could learn their educational system. So we have to start doing something here in America as well. So back to Forbes. Forbes asks if online education is the answer. And Dinter Smith says, hey, let me be the skunk at the garden party. Making it easier for kids to shove math procedures into their short-term memory is not reimagining education. We don't need to do obsolete things better. We need to do better things, and we need to do them better. So Forbes asks, what are the better things? Well, for one, stop requiring calculus and start requiring statistics. Forbes asks, explain, Dinter Smith says. Pick any company in an industry and ask, hey, GE, Microsoft, is anyone here doing their integrals and derivatives by hand for their job? No, it's all done by computer. But statistics, every company is desperate for somebody with data analytics capability in which statistics are essential. Dinner Smith would argue that having a good life requires statistics. I mean, you have to be able to manage your medical, your investment decisions. Those are big things. So how can educators justify teaching calculus, which has no relevance, yet not justifying teaching statistics, which will affect one's prosperity and health? Me, as Cynthia Bryant, I would agree because I actually enjoyed calculus when I was doing it, but I never saw a usage for it. And I've never used it since. And statistics, I never had a class in it. So I really am failing there. So Forbes goes and Rika says that you've recently spoken to 250 college admissions directors. And what did they say? Well, Dinter Smith replied, they said, we like calculus because it's so hard and it gives us a good way to compare the students. And his reaction was, whoa, this is an absolutely terrible justification so you know and I would agree too if just because it's hard it doesn't mean that it's going to be good because lots of employers complain about the work habits of millennials right yeah they complain but the, you don't hear the word lazy most employers say we hire these kids with their impeccable academic resumes but then start wondering what's wrong with them they want to be micromanaged they want to know what it takes to get an A when they uh, when they now work for Google instead of still being enrolled at Stanford so to blame the kids is wrong we got to blame the schools do you foresee employers in effect elbowing educators in their sides and saying Look, you're not delivering what we need. We can't stand this, so we're going to take over. And Dinter Smith replies, let's say you're a really big organization like Xerox or Caterpillar. You talk to these companies, but their response is, geez, 
the really great students don't want to work for us. They want to go to work for Google. We're down, way down on the pecking order at the top colleges. <clears throat> so these big companies end up saying, okay, we'll just recruit some pretty good students from pretty good schools. But that is a formula for mediocrity. If I were Xerox, this is Denter Smith, I'd set up a Xerox Academy. I'd go and get the absolute best, the really talented and motivated kids out of high school, particularly from blue-collar communities, kids who are going to be struggling to make their way forward. I'd make the school very selective and say, you are now a Xerox scholar. I'd make it a four-year residential program with lots of intensive internships at Xerox, as well as supplemental things like sports. I'd structure it like ROTC. If you do this for four years, you'll get your Xerox degree, but you need then to stay with Xerox for a similar number of years or reimburse the company for the cost of your education. If Xerox or other companies did this, it would get an amazing injection of next generation leadership. It'd get that scrappy kid from Fort Wayne who'll knock down the walls to make something happy and whose family can't afford most colleges. And if you found the right entrepreneur who was doing something along these lines, he would write a big check for it. So there are a lot of companies like Xerox that could absolutely do this. So the last question from Forbes is, you argue that elite universities now measure their status by the percentage of good kids they reject, not as they should, but by the talented ones that they admit. Dinder Smith responds, I think Stanford Mechanical Engineering Program should be accepting a number of people who have worked for three or four years as auto mechanics, as well as people who are really gifted at making mechanical equipment work. Is that such a radical idea? No. What's stopping them, and he says that he had this discussion with Stanford and with MIT, is that when you get into Stanford or MIT, before you can really do your engineering track, You have to do all those dumb prerequisites, which include calculus. Thus, these schools took an auto mechanic who couldn't pass calculus, and they've accepted somebody who wouldn't advance because, of course, calculus at MIT means that you can't use Wolfram Alpha or anything else. So you got to do the computation by hand. So uh, lots of interesting things here, but for any big company who's listening, remember, there's somebody out there who would write a very, very big check uh, if they were to change their system and perhaps start their own education system. Because for 20 years, Microsoft didn't innovate much, despite its high IQ workforce. And it's changing now. And Apple, probably because of Steve's jobs, has always had an eye for talent from schools of outside the elite ones. So take notice, everyone out there. I do think it's time that we look at kids talent and not decide how smart they are because they can do calculus you're listening to star style be the star you are when we come back from break we're going to switch over to the garden and we'll be talking compost i'm cynthia bryan this is star style coming to you live be back in a bit be the star you are follow us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, 
leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, it's going to be a garden party now. Thank you for staying with me. I am Cynthia Bryan, and you are listening to Star Style, Be the Star. You are coming to you live on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. Well, as the goddess gardener, I like to empower you with gardening techniques. And today we have Steve LaPera with us. He is a director of marketing, and he is here to talk to us about composting, and he works with Mantis. They are the manufacturers of the outdoor equipment that you may have heard of, because I had one for the longest time, one of the Mantis tillers and cultivators, those so sweet little things that you can go around your garden. And he's going to talk to us about his compost tumbler, which is a home composter as well. He is a former director or former member, I guess, of the Philadelphia Direct Marketing Association. And so uh, we want to welcome Steve to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. You're going to be talking to us about composting and about the tumbler and all of those things. So when it comes to composting, why don't you first talk about what is compost? Because I know when I am uh, talking to clients and talking about compost and mulch, they get the two confused. So enlighten us. Yeah, simply put, compost is is really just... um, organic matter that has gone through decomposition and it can be uh, a it can be made up of a of a bunch of things um, but for the most part a base of really good compost begins with uh, dried leaves and uh, other garden debris that uh, that's considered the brown material and um, it goes in combination with green material which usually is made up of kitchen waste and there's no end of things that uh, that come out of your kitchen that you can put into a compost pile, coffee grounds, eggshells, many things. And um, compost, different than, than mulch, actually adds things back into the soil, back into your plants, nutrients, beneficial microbes, things like that. It, it really is uh, like a shot of B12 for, for all kinds of things that grow in the garden. Well, you know, what um, the difference with green, which would be like grass clippings and anything like that, that is adding your nitrogen. And then 
anything that's brown is the carbon, which we, we need that for balance. What about when I have, uh, you know, I'm always promoting compost in every garden article that I write, but I always get these emails and people say, where, well, where do you keep it? And doesn't it smell? And doesn't it get stinky? And, you know, I say, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Will you address that part of it? Well, it is true that finished compost uh, actually has a very pleasant odor. It's sweet smelling and, um, you know, <laughs> It's marvelous. It truly is nature's uh, nature's gold. The trouble is, and where people tend to get into trouble, and why the uh, why the compost tumbler came into being years ago, was if you have un uncontained piles of debris that just is uh, decomposing on its own, it does tend to bring all kinds of um, critters. Uh, to to come have dinner and things like that, and uh, it 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 can smell depending on what the uh, you know the composition of the of the material that makes up the pile you know is consists of. If you keep all of this material, the browns and the greens, in a in a contained environment that is uh, in our case the compost tumbler, which is rotated occasionally because it is good to keep that heat core moving. You won't smell anything. You won't have any um, varmints around. Uh, and when finished, as I said um, a moment ago, it uh, it's really a, a very, very impressive, pleasant-smelling finished product. I know. It smells it, it smells like the earth, you know, yeah. like really good quality soil, earth. And as you said, it is that shot of, of energy and, and nutrients that our plants need. But... Why don't you tell us about the Mantis a Tumbler, and because it comes in different sizes, et cetera, and that would be good to know, because I, I know so many people at, like, that have a, uh, a small bucket or something underneath yes. their sink, right, because the, the refuse company gives these to people free so that they'll start composting, and then they'll carry that out to their compost pile or, pile or to their tumbler or whatever it is, but the secret, I think, is you just can't put in meat products and, you know, things oh, like yes. that, that's, uh, that's a no-no. So tell us about your tumbler and some of the things that we should not be putting in there. Well, um, we'll start with the latter and say things like um, meat products, uh, bones, um, pet waste, things like that. I mean, not everything can go into a compost pile. Um, conversely, there are some very interesting things that can go into a compost pile with some degree of moderation, namely um, uh, newspaper strips of old newspaper, uh, even lint from a clothes dryer. There's things that can go into a compost pile that you wouldn't necessarily expect, but meat products, bones, things like that uh, should not go into a compost pile. Uh, you asked about the compost tumbler itself. Um, we make five different ones from um, a very small one called the, um, the Easy Spin, uh, all the way up to a, a dual chamber compost twin, uh, which is really a composter's dream because it's got two large chambers and you do need a certain amount of volume to make compost relatively quickly. Um, the compost twin 
has that volume, and you can fill it up, lock one side down, and let it just cook while you're adding stuff to the other side. So, Oh, I um, need to get one of those because oh, I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> It's it, it's wonderful, and there's so many things you can do with um, with finished compost. And what's really neat these days is uh, folks that uh, do rooftop gardens or urban gardening, you know, in a in a city situation, uh, you know, even if you don't have a large garden to to put compost, you know, throughout, um, even small patches of lawn, uh, you can spread compost, and it you know it it, it really is a benefit. So. It, it truly, you can help the environment. You can always find a place to use it. And, um, you know, if you have a garden like yourself, I mean, as you well know, it's, it's just, um, it's, you know, the best yeah, thing it's, do. it really, it's absolutely, uh, I want, I don't want to say life changing, but plant changing because yep. when you put compost into a garden, it's like immediately everything starts to thrive and grow. But, you know, you just mentioned about people who live in a city, perhaps live, uh, you know, in an apartment and have a balcony and maybe just some pots. You were talking about your smaller tumbler because that would be really perfect for them, right? Absolutely. It's, um, it only holds four bushels, um, and it's, it's very easy to turn. And um, again, not to be redundant, but keeping the compost or the cooking compost moving one or two rotations a day in one of these tumbling bins uh, really does wonders to speed up the process. Uh, compost on its own, uh, when it develops in nature, I mean, takes months and months. But in a controlled situation like we have arranged with, with through the compost tumbler lines, um, you can really do it in, in just, you know, six to eight weeks. So if, if you do the right things, and composting is a science. I mean, it really is. It's not just a matter of, you know, you, you've got to be careful with the balance of stuff that you put in. Um, I'm a believer in what Mike McGrath, uh, organic gardening, used to say. He always uh, said four to one ratio, browns to greens. We have found that to be the best ratio. So if you put in the stuff um, close to the right degrees, keep it turning, you'll have compost before you know it. And, um, you know, a person like yourself can have several batches in the course of a growing season. Well, and just to remind the listeners again, the green would be lawn clippings, anything that's green, and the brown is like the leaves that you are um, raking up, and then, of course, all the other additives. I, I'm i a big uh, believer in putting the tea bags and the eggshells yep. and the, you know, the coffee grinds. All of those things, and I do the newspaper, uh, the news, you know, shredded newspaper up in there too. Anything that can decompose quickly, I think, is important. Now, I want to give the website out for those of you who are just joining us. It is mantis.com, M-A-N-T-I-S.com, and you can see all the different products, the tumblers, etc., there as well as the as the tillers. And our guest is Steve Lapera, who knows a lot about composting. So um, getting back to uh, to the composting, do you really feel that anybody anywhere can compost? Get, you know, saying again to people in an apartment, they're going to be having mostly perhaps food waste. They would probably have to get leaves or clippings from somewhere else, but they could use the newspapers and those kind of things. So for city dwellers, what are some of the things that they could 
compost. Like for me, I have no problem. I have, you know, I'm pulling a lot of weeds and all kinds of plants. But um, for people who, excuse me, who don't really have a garden, what can they do? Well, it's going to be... It's going to be a little more challenging for somebody. I mean, somebody living in the middle of Manhattan is going to have to work a little harder to gather things up. But a base of things like coffee grounds and eggshells and things like that. And there's also, um, you know, a small investment in um, compost activating um, products. You can make yourself a little batch of compost in a bucket with a top on it. And um, as I say, once you've given it some time and it's turned into compost, you know, just spread it outside on the cityscape. Normally, folks that do have urban gardens where they have pots and things like that, it can just go right into the pots. It's a little harder. Um, Leaves, and I also wanted to add, leaves are great for a composter, uh, but they really should be broken up before they're put in there. The bigger the pieces that you put in a compost pile, obviously the the longer it's going to take to decompose. Yep. Well, if you you have a a lawnmower... It's pretty, if you have a lawnmower, just mow them over, you know, mow the leaves over and pour the bag in and do like uh, McGrath says and do the four to one uh, ratio. And then it kind of works. Exactly right. It is a science, but it's not an exact science. And that doesn't have to be correct. It's forgiving. Yes, forgiving. Thank you. That's exactly what I think is that. Because people get scared sometimes, especially if they're new to gardening and they get a, they get frightened of, oh, my gosh, I have to follow these directions completely. And, no, I think you kind of just get the hang of it eventually. Now, you're not a fan of compost tea. For me, it doesn't work because I have way too much um, yard. And compost tea, I would just be having to brew, you know, a lake full in order to make it work. But what's the difference between the kind of compost that we would do in your tumbler or just making some compost tea in a bucket? Well, simply put, I mean, there are composters that are relatively similar to ours that have a capability to um, to capture uh, water as it moves into the composter, and you know, after such a time, you can drain it out and, and use it as compost tea. Um, we believe that keeping the moisture down in the mixture uh, in the long run is, you know, it, 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 it's better to focus on the on the mass as opposed to the to the tea. Uh, keep the water level down. Now, you don't want your compost cooking compost to get too dry either, so you want to make sure there's you know, that it's, that it's moist from time to time. But um, in, in terms of establishing a, you know, a, a rich base of, of fluid that you can use for compost tea, it, it, we, I wouldn't say we don't recommend it. It's just not how we designed our composter. Some people really uh, love to use compost tea. Um, ours are just not engineered that way, and, and they've been quite successful. Again, this is mantis.com, M-A-N-T-I-S.com. You can find them on Pinterest, pinterest.com forward slash mantis garden. They're also on Facebook. I want to talk before we, um, we go, Steve, tell us what's new on the tiller. I bought my first mantis tiller, oh, maybe... 20 something years ago and it was just so wonderful to have something that was small enough that a that I could handle as opposed to having a great big rototiller you know lightweight and we could maneuver around 
the plants easily. Have um, have things changed? I, I haven't seen the new ones. Well, uh, it's a cliche, but um, to just follow up on what you just said, it, it truly revolutionized uh, gardening. Uh, a lot of folks who thought they couldn't garden anymore because they could no longer handle the big behemoth tiller, you know, were able to get out in the garden with um, with our little little tiller. Um, what's new for 2018 is we've um, really just introduced a cordless model, uh, operates with a uh, off of a 58-volt battery, and we also have a, a smaller electric model. Both of those uh, are on the website as well. But I'm pleased to say that the original line of Mantis tillers have not changed dramatically over the uh, almost 40 years we've been making them and are still the world's most popular tiller. It's a product we're very proud of. Uh, it's empowered a lot of people to garden, to, to keep active, uh, and they stay in the field a long time. Yes, so, um, that, I just loved it. I just, I, But I really like the idea that you're doing one that is cordless and operates uh, from a battery. I think that's a great, you know, a, a, a real improvement for some people who aren't going to want to to use either a cord or the old-fashioned ones where you had to, I don't want to say old-fashioned because you're still making them, but, um, you know, where you had to do the gas, mix the yeah, gas. Yeah, some folks stuff. don't like to or don't have really places to, to adequately store gas and whatnot. And electric right. tillers, which we make, they're popular as well, but you've got a cord. So, um we're excited about this uh, this new product. We think everybody will be uh, as well. And um, you know, shameless plug, check it out on mantis.com. They're they're really neat tools, and um, we think people how can long, really get how long is the battery life on it? About thirty minutes. And I would want to tell your listeners that if that doesn't sound like a long time, it really is. Um, you know yourself when you're out with a tool like the mantis tiller, you're digging up the soil, you're stopping, you're gathering this up or moving a rock or planting something, etc. 30 minutes in terms of actual mini tilling time uh, is, is quite a long time. And so, then um, to recharge it, Steve, how long does it take to recharge normally? About between an hour and an hour and a half. Oh, just enough, just bad. enough yep. to go have a good glass of lemonade or exactly something stronger. And get back at it. But uh, exactly. exactly, that's what I would say. If that sounds like a great idea. Well, again, the Mantis, Mantis compost tumbler, as well as Tiller and other products, please visit mantis.com. And you can also visit them on Pinterest as well as Facebook. And it, Facebook is forward slash Mantis Tiller. Do you want to add anything else, Steve, to um, to what you've already informed our listeners? Well, I, I actually do. Uh, I just let them know that anything they do to help the uh, you know the environmental footprint uh, in terms of compost is is really a huge help because what what authorities are finding is food waste in particular. It's uh, as more and more of us live in this country, it's putting a tremendous stress on uh, sewage systems. And a lot of this stuff, as it stays in landfills, landfills creates methane gas, which is not a good thing. So anything we can do to help alleviate that, that should serve as incentive for folks that even if they don't have active gardens, uh, to get involved with composting and, and pitching and help out for everybody else. 
That's so well said. And anyone out there who makes compost and doesn't have a place to put it, shoot me an email. I'll take your compost. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, thank you so very much for talking to us about Mantis and about the tumblers and enlightening us about compost because it's one of my very favorite subjects. I am always digging in the dirt and, you know, I, and I like to make the dirt into very rich soil. And the only way to do that is with compost. I want to get one of these tumblers because there it sounds go. like it makes my life so much easier. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you, Steve. So mantis.com, check it out. And again, visit the Pinterest page, pinterest.com forward slash mantis garden or on Facebook, uh, May, Facebook mantis tiller. Thank you, Steve. When we come back from break, We are going to be talking about how we can keep our memory and our minds. We want them in great shape. And part of that is getting out in the garden. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. You're listening to us live. We're on the Voice America Network. I'll be right back. So don't go away. But you can take a minute break in your garden. Be the star you are. The star you Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. What are the guidelines for being truly effective leaders? The essence of outstanding leadership is not charisma or leadership qualities, but performance. Executives who are truly effective leaders, they set goals for their companies. They set priorities to reach those goals. They set standards and they hold fast to them in their own personal actions and behaviors. Following specific guidelines enables an executive to be consistent. And only when leaders' personal actions are compatible with the goals they set for others and their organizations can they earn the trust of those who must work towards those goals. So true leaders make decisions and then follow through on their promise. Excellent leaders don't say, do as I say. They encourage, do as I do. So remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business spike from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. Or to book a consultation, you may call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion dollars. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care.
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show Well, appreciation for hanging in here with us. I hope that you learned a lot about compost and that no matter where you live or in what kind of environment, that you'll consider it because it is so good for our world. And we only have this one earth that we live on at this time and we need to take care of it. And by recycling all this food waste, we are going to be doing good things for the planet. And if you have a few pots or a plot, it's going to be great for your plants, whether they're herbs or vegetables or uh, flowers. So take heed. Well, you know, people these days are talking about Alzheimer's a lot. There seems to be, doesn't matter who you are, you know, or what socioeconomic uh, background you have, it is affecting a lot of people. And we get afraid about not only losing our memory, but losing our minds. So understanding our risk factors can really help stave off some of that memory loss. There's new science, and it's uh, challenging the idea that there's nothing we can do to lower our chances of uh, getting Alzheimer's disease. Now, there are key risk factors, age, race, gender, but and those have been known for a while. And they do remain part, but remember, a part of the equation. But so much research now has identified other potential contributors. And there's good news. It's estimated that one-third to two-thirds of Alzheimer's cases can be pinned on things that are under our control. So I want to bring you some of the latest scientific thinking on managing the risks. So the risk number one, of course, is our genes. About 25% of Americans have a copy of what's called the Alzheimer's gene. It's called APOE, and then there's a little E4. And if you have that gene, it triples the risk of getting the disease. Another 2% have two copies of the genes, and that boosts their odds 8 to 12-fold. And that APOE, those are all in capital letters, and then small letter E for gene, what it does is it creates a protein that moves cholesterol around in your body. And for some people, that variant has a very dark side. It's been linked to the buildup of the sticky amyloid plaque in the brain, which leads to earlier memory failure and to brain cell loss. Now, the average age of uh, contact or contracting Alzheimer's disease seems to be about 84 years old for people without that gene, but it strikes between 8 to 16 years earlier for those with it. And in one international study of 27,000 people with Alzheimer's, under a half had the gene, and nearly 10% had two copies. So how do you fight back? First of all, Cut cholesterol. So your genes aren't your only destiny. Plenty of people with the gene do not develop Alzheimer's. A healthy lifestyle can really make a difference. Keeping cholesterol under control means a lower risk for any any kind of mental decline in people with the Alzheimer's gene, and that was by a recent German study. Another risk is your family history. Now, studies suggest having, if you have a parent, a brother, or a sister, with late onset Alzheimer's disease, that increases your risk twofold to fourfold. And of course, that gene accounts for about 50% of the risk, and then other genes may be involved. 
And that's according to Duke University. But how do you fight back? Well, work together. Lifestyle habits that you share with your family might be a big contributor. So change your lifestyle habits to healthy ones. A risk. Now, this one could be, you have to look at this one. Have you ever had a a head injury in your past? If you had moderate to severe head injuries that knocked you out for 30 minutes, such as in a car accident, that can increase Alzheimer's risk by 2.3 to 4.5 times. Now, mild head trauma doesn't seem to raise the risk. It has to be a moderate to severe. How do you fight back with that? Really work on preventing falls. Do what you can to prevent them. In a 2014 Mayo Clinic study of 448 older adults, brain scans revealed higher levels of that plaque in people with memory problems who had had a brain injury that knocked them out. So be careful. Be wear sensible shoes and watch where you're going. Another risk factor is diabetes. If you have high blood sugar, it doubles the risk of Alzheimer's. And that was a very large study that was conducted with over 1,000 people over 15 years. The excess blood sugar harms your blood vessels in the brain, while insulin resistance may set the stage for an, um, an accumulation of the plaque and that tangles. So you, the way that you can fight back probably would be to make sure that you are taking your medication and um, talk to your doctor about it so that that can cut your risk for developing Alzheimer's. Smoking is another big risk. Research shows that smokers face a 59% higher risk for Alzheimer's instead of non-smokers. What a tobacco does is it amps up that oxidative stress in the brain. It allows cell-damaging compounds that are called free radicals to run wild and accelerates the buildup of plaques and tangles. So experts point out that arteries become healthier within six months of quitting. Wow, that to me would be enough to stop quitting. I mean, I don't smoke, but if I was a smoker, I don't want Alzheimer's. So quit smoking, and it cuts the risk of strokes as well. Um, Some emerging risks. They are finding that there are microbes and bugs. So cutting-edge Alzheimer's research is finding some other potential causes they're common bugs such as herpes simplex virus. That's the virus that causes the fever blisters. And also um, a bacteria that causes pneumonia may also trigger late-life brain infections that can destroy or inflame brain tissue and could trigger that production of plaques and tangles as a defense mechanism, but in the end that ends up causing um, Alzheimer's. So there's a lot of research going on that an unhealthy balance of gut bugs in the modern digestive system may also play a role because it increases inflammation. So people with Alzheimer's have fewer types of gut bugs than those without, and modern hygiene may be knocking out some of the good bugs, and that might be actually contributing to some of the risks. So that is kind of weird that we think that we're being very hygienic, but in fact, we might be actually adding to our risk factor. So here is some more research that can reveal what works and what doesn't. And although there isn't a pill or a procedure that's going to help you maintain your memory yet, I mean, they're working on it, 
Researchers have found several lifestyle factors that can influence your brain's ability to remember facts and events with fewer glitches. Uh, It's a moving target, that's for sure, because yesterday's proven memory boosters don't stand up perhaps to today's testing. But if we just kind of look at what the latest research advises and keep tabs on it, you know, we have a better chance. So one main thing that we can all do to improve our chances of guarding our memory is to be physically active. Aim to be as active as we can every day. And that means, you know, little small actions like sitting less or taking the stairs instead of the elevator or parking a ways from the store so you have to walk a block. You also should get 150 minutes a week of really purposeful activity, and that's walking briskly, riding your bike, swimming, lifting weights, gardening, you know, playing tennis, playing golf, whatever it is. A 2017 report by the National Academy of Sciences determined that fitness may be the best tool that we have against all cognitive impairment and dementia. Uh, There's also some evidence that exercise helps brains become healthier in as little as six months. So kind of like stopping smoking, start exercising, and we could be better within just a few months. Now, brain games. I do remember when brain games were the big deal. Now the experts are saying, you know, video games and card games and digital games, they maybe will help you be better at remembering digital games and card games and doing puzzles and all that kind of thing. But the truth that puzzles and games will help your brain power isn't isn't true at all. It only really helps with doing puzzles and games. Researchers are recommending cognitively stimulating activities, which means things that engage your brain and helps you do new things. For example, learn to be a photographer, take a class, design a quilt, uh, do something new in technology, design a garden, uh, research your genealogy, learn a new language, learn to play an instrument. Even listening to music that you're not used to listening to could help. Now, there was something, a myth before, was that uh, there was this fear of aluminum and antiperspirants that was supposedly linked to Alzheimer's, and that was from research that was in the 1970s and 80s. Well, that has now been debunked. That research scared people away from cooking with aluminum pots or drinking out of aluminum cans. Do you remember that? I remember that we were told to get rid of all our aluminum pots because it could um, have memory loss. Well... Evidently, uh, the element of aluminum is the third most common element in the Earth's crust. (laughs) So a small amount that you'd get from your antiperspirant or your cookware isn't going to increase your risk. But instead, eat a healthy diet and eat the Mediterranean way. We've been hearing about this for a while. Now, it's no, uh, not any single food, of course, is going to cause or cure any memory dip but an overall eating plan that is going to uh, improve your health would be piling on whole grains, fruits, vegetables, fish, nuts, and olive oil onto your plate, cutting back on red meat. I'm not saying eliminating it. I'm just saying cutting back on uh, red meat is going to help you. And also just, uh, again, getting more exercise. They did 
a 2017 uh, uh, study of 6,000 people. It was published in the Journal of American Geriatric Society that suggested that people who ate the Mediterranean diet had a 35% lower risk of cognitive impairment than those who didn't. So it's the combination of foods may seem like a familiar recommendation. So what scientists are discovering is that your brain and your heart like the same things. So your taste buds are going to like it too. I mean, if you like you know, like the Italian, the way the Mediterraneans eat, the Italians, the Greeks, you know, the French, the Spanish, I think you'll be in good shape. As far as vitamins and supplements, forget about them, okay? There's no evidence yet that things like, um, you know, vitamin E or omega-3 supplements are going to help you. Friends and family, spend more time with friends and family. That is the more important thing to do. It, because that is what will uh, be essential for helping you. As far as ginseng, leave it. People taking this herb with the hopes of boosting brain power, they have found it's not working. And there's compelling reason not to reach for it. It could interact with any diabetes drug if you are taking that or you have a blood thinner. And it may also contribute to headaches, sleep problems, and digestive issues. So forget the ginseng. Uh, manage your blood pressure. This is really critical. High blood pressure may damage small blood vessels in the brain, and especially true for women. So just be sure to talk to your doctor and learn how to control all of that. So that's our show for today. We've learned to compost. We have learned new ways that we could be uh, at universities and have an educational system. And we are guarding our memory and trying to keep away from Alzheimer's. So thank you for joining me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, every Wednesday live from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Remember, you can change your life. You can make your dreams come true. If you would like to make a donation to Be the Star You Are charity, do so at bethestaryouare.org. If you want any more information about uh, Cynthia Bryan or any of the seven books I've published, visit Be the Star You Are. Um, well, you can see it at be the star you are.com or be the star you are.org, but mostly CynthiaBryan.com. I am my new book is Growing with the Goddess Gardener, a perfect gift for Mother's Day or Father's Day or for the gardener in your life. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. So do pick up a book this week. And until we get together again next Wednesday, celebrate and remember that love always wins. Kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference, and go out into the garden and dig a little bit in that dirt. Make some compost. Thanks for joining me. We'll be talking again next Wednesday. Be the star you the star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. 
Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.